Blog Talk Radio. Everybody, <clears throat> this is Marcy Ann. Thank you for tuning in, and I appreciate um, having a chance for us to talk, have a little chat together. And today I'm talking about a fast track to heaven <laughs> because uh, on my last radio show, which I called the American Dream, uh, I talked about uh, what my life lesson has been and how this lifetime has made me an absolute expert on abandonment, which I have discovered is a fast track to heaven. Now, there is a metaphysical theory that we all come to earth for a purpose, uh, whether we come from another star system or from a past life here on earth or Perhaps we're a cosmic worker who has been chosen a human incarnation, like taking a master's degree in your in your chosen field. <clears throat> perhaps this is your first time in form, or perhaps you're a walk-in, which is specially prepared for a certain moment in the progress of civilization. Or perhaps you're uh, a perpetual wanderer, just popping in and out of life, you know, based upon the whims and passions and hopes and dreams of others. Or perhaps you're a soul in transition who's being given another chance to get it right. (laughs) Well, according to some of these theories, we go before the Incarnation Board, and your purpose for life on Earth is discussed. What do you already know? And what do you want to learn more about? You know, throughout our universe, Earth is known as a very curious planet that has been selected to have the use of free will as an aid to eventually becoming sovereign, self-sufficient, and independent action figure in the universe. There are really wild stories that circulate around the universe about Earth, like, you can go to Earth and do anything you want to (laughs) do. It is a curious idea to many of the other developments within our universe, uh, because the, the more advanced civilizations have gone way past free will into sovereignty a long time ago. Being self-governed to the point where they all live their life in total harmony and love and respect for everything and everybody. That's already a given, and they don't know anything else. These civilizations have very well-developed rules of harmony, love, and respect, and everybody follows the rules. If they don't, they're eliminated. And the culture here on Earth that's reached the highest degree of this so far is the Japanese culture. 
There's a lot of YouTubes right now on what life is like in Japan. Uh, they're very, very interesting. I suggest you listen to them. Now, we're in the very, very early, 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 early stages of developing sovereignty here. So the beings that come from other civilizations are curious to come and see how we're doing, but many come to help us because probably the most sane voices within a civilization are a cosmic being who chose an earth incarnation to help us progress towards sovereignty. And whether you like him or not, I believe Donald Trump is president because he has developed a level of sovereignty that serves of an example uh, of what is possible. He answers to no one. He's independent and self-sufficient, strong, not afraid to say what he thinks and stand for what he believes is right. I believe my son came to Earth from Andromeda. And Andromeda is a very structured civilization. Now, my son heard about life here on Earth. First of all, he was curious about having an opportunity to play with his free will. (laughs) And secondly, it was presented to him to come to this certain family on Earth who had uh, certain beings in training in the household whom they wanted him to mentor. And one of those beings is my oldest daughter. She does not know at this stage of her development that she is especially chosen as a being who has potential for future galactic responsibilities. But let me tell you, it's absolutely no accident that at this present time, as a teacher in a large school district here in the U.S., She has been put in charge of eight students that have been chosen from the entire school district as having the most potential to be the future leaders of that city. Now, the other cosmic being in training is me. (laughs) So my son volunteered for the job so he could also come to Earth to view our progress. He thought it'd be fun to reactivate his free will and see what he could accomplish while he was here. And he has been running the safety department for one of the largest trucking companies here in the U.S. His structured background is very valuable in helping to keep his drivers out on the road, getting their goods delivered on time, but still fulfilling all the responsibilities and requirements of the Department of Transportation. And if you're a truck driver, you know what I'm talking about. So many hours a day, so much weight to carry, drug and alcohol testing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And all of this is because we're not at a level of sovereignty where each driver would monitor himself and follow the rules. So we have to have federal agencies that do that for the good of the community. Uh, The community doesn't want an 18-wheeler truck driver going to sleep on the road and killing a bunch of people. Now, also, my son's wife was brought up before the reincarnation board and asked if she would be willing to be his wife, and she said yes. And she came back to Earth six months after my son got here. She lived just six blocks away from us, but she did attend a private school So they didn't meet until um, uh, my son went to her church's recreation 
program, and uh, they played volleyball together. Uh, she tells me today that there are parts of her responsibility that go far beyond her expectation or her preparation for the job. My brother came from the star Methuselah in the Libra star system. He had heard the stories about Earth, but more how beautiful it is. So he came to check it out. And he soon found out that there was, as he puts it, no intelligent human life here yet on Earth. So he, And he had known about a tree here on Earth that's called Methuselah. And it's one of the oldest known forms of life here on Earth, and he wanted to see it. So he became a forester, and he has spent his entire adult life in the woods, <laughs> managing our country's forests. Trees are considered to be the most intelligent life uh, within the plant kingdom. Now, I have already had cosmic responsibilities before I came here. And I came to Earth to take an advanced course in sovereignty. I believe I came here on a sabbatical leave of absence uh, from my cosmic duties. And in Earth's language, it's kind of like getting a master's degree. I won't have any letters after my name when I go back, but I will have more responsibility. And what I can share when I go back to my new duties is that abandonment is the crash course for becoming a fully developed, sovereign person. If you want to become a fully self-sufficient, independent, sovereign person and take just one lifetime, then choose the path of abandonment and you will graduate summa cum laude and be able to go immediately to your cosmic responsibilities. Now, in order to come to Earth, you you have to be born of a mother. That mother has had sex with a man who supplies the sperm to make the baby. And it is best if the mother and the father are both involved together to raise this baby. That was the original plan for human life here on Earth. I'm not totally sure that this is the only way you can do it, but as far as we know now, that's how it happens. Whether your mother and your father are together to create an environment for you to grow up in will depend on what you chose to learn while you were here. Some of the most significant persons to come to her have had a human mother and a human father. Jesus, Einstein, George Washington, Stephen Hawkins, even the Pope to head a religious organization that currently now doesn't allow their priests to make babies. At the beginning of the Catholic Church, not only the priests, but the bishops and archbishops and even the Pope could be married. And it wasn't until the 11th century AD that it was decided that the hierarchy of the Catholic Church should be celibate men so the men could be closer to God. Well, this required the men to completely deny their masculinity and all sexual urgings and to pray and fast, and sometimes even flail themselves in order to be able to communicate with God. And we all now know the good and the bad about this. So human life starts out with a mother and a father. And some of the esoteric theories I've studied say that we choose our mother and our father. 
And from what I've observed, I believe that in some cases this is true. In my case, however, my human life was specifically for me to take this special course in abandonment so so that I could continue on in my cosmic duties. Where I come from is so different from life here on Earth. I'm pretty much unable to tell you much about it because there's no language for it here. So, uh, But I believe my Earth life has been a complete setup. I believe that everything that has happened to me has been totally predestined. My mother and my father were chosen for me to give me the crash course in abandonment. My father was a brilliant man who really never was able to ground his intelligence. He was tall and good-looking, and he eventually did marry a woman who had her own business, and they had a child together. And he was a stay-at-home dad way back then when they weren't even called stay-at-home dads. He spent his days studying all the literatures of the world and writing music and playing the piano. I met this half-sister of mine after I was 50 years old. I asked her if our father was a good dad, and she said, the best. However, my father's mother and father were Quaker ministers, and all of the family was extremely conservative and very judgmental. And my half-sister was gay, and she and her partner ran a little store up in the northwest, but the family was so extremely hateful towards her, not including her in any family gatherings, and she eventually committed suicide. This happened after our father died, and I think she felt like she had lost her best and only friend in this world, and she just couldn't take it here on earth anymore without him. It was extremely disgraceful to be pregnant and not be married in those days. Women would go away somewhere and have the baby and give it up for adoption, the family doing everything that they could to not let anybody know. It's amazing to me today that we actually honor women who have a child and are not married. The black culture has 78% of their babies born to a woman who sometimes doesn't even know or isn't sure who the father might be. Earth culture has decided that these babies deserve to be loved, so we pay these women to take care of these babies. But it's also my observation that money is never a substitute for love, and these babies grow up on the street and only know survival, which causes what we call crime, burglaries and stealing cars, selling drugs, violence and murders so this love program hasn't worked the original plan was for a baby to have a mother and a father who are together who love one another and have planned to have this baby and will provide everything for this precious child to grow up and learn how to be a self-sufficient independent self-governing sovereign adult who will make a significant contribution to the community. It seems to me right now that all of the attention here in the U.S. is for the community. When we can't have a functioning community without each person being a self-governing, sovereign person. And that's the job of mothers and fathers. 
Where are the mothers? Where are the fathers? Back when I came to earth, it was especially disgraceful for a man whose parents were ministers to have one of their children father a child and not be married. It could cost a minister his church. So hush-hush was the order of the day. No one can know. So I was this big secret. Don't let anybody know. No one can know. You're a big problem. No one can know. But you know what? As a baby grows in the womb, it's pretty hard to deny that the woman is pregnant. So at the early stages of her pregnancy, my mother considered having an abortion, partly to relieve the family of the disgrace and partly because she felt so overwhelmed at the idea of having a child by herself at 19 years old. My mother's mother had died of childbirth, and she was raised by her dad and her dad's mother. So many times in my childhood, my mother would say to me, you should be so grateful you have a mother. And this was just completely incomprehensible to me. Everybody I knew had a mother. But as I entered adulthood, I realized she was just speaking from her own experience. She didn't have a mother. She had a grandmother, but not a mother. She and grandmother and her dad all lived together in a big house in a pretty good part of town. Her dad was a policeman. And he told her he knew a doctor who would do the abortion for her in his office after hours, and no one would know. Hush, hush. But she told me later on that as she thought about this, she was overcome with the idea of never knowing me. She said she knew I'd be a very smart person and I'd be good-looking, having the genes of my father, So she bore the shame and had the baby, which turned out to be a girl, me. (laughs) So I wasn't aborted. I survived my first class in abandonment. Well, actually, my first class in abandonment was my father's disappearance. His family family had that first class hush-hush-hush agenda. I mean mega hush-hush. Because being ministers in a small town, they were fighting for their lives. My mother and father were attending a college in the large city where my mother lived. But my father was immediately shipped off to a college far, far, far away where he did graduate four years later, magna cum laude. I had no contact with him until I was 21 years old. On my 21st birthday, I got a birthday card from him. I was in California with my husband. We were in the Air Force, stationed at Parks Air Force Base outside of San Francisco. It astounded me that he had my address. How could he have it? Who was keeping track of me? Oh, I found out later it was his sister, my Aunt Lois. I also found out that her interest was mostly... How is this bastard child of my brother doing? And I also found out that his whole family thought of me as some low-class street person, which was the way they thought of my mother. Because only a low-class street person would get pregnant and not be married. 
The family never blamed my father for getting some dirty, low-class street person pregnant. And my mother then later on even told me one day I had an evil thing in me. You got that evil thing from your father, and you're going to have to fight it your whole life. Well, what this birthday card said was, Happy birthday, Marcianne. I have always known that today is your birthday, and now you are 21 years old. You are an adult, and you can make your own decisions for your life. And I just wanted you to know that if you would like to meet me and let us get to know one another, nothing would make me happier. Love, your father. I was stunned. All I had heard for my entire 21 years was that he didn't care a hoot for me. He never wanted me in the first place. He abandoned us, never paid a dime of child support. He's a heartless son of a bitch. What do I do now? Do I take a chance? I mean, of course I'm curious. wonder if I look like him. What would we say to one another? Well, I was in California, and he was in the Midwest, and at that time I decided not to pursue it. My husband and I were in California while he was in the Air Force. He was in the Judge Advocate General's office because he had graduated from law school. He went into the military as a first lieutenant, and we were stationed at an overseas processing base during Korea. Well, those young kids didn't want to go to Korea. No one was happy about that war. But when it was time for them to go overseas, they would just go out and get drunk and go AWOL. (laughs) And my husband's job was to prosecute them for the military. Not a very happy job. Well, near the end of his two-year military compulsory commitment, I discovered I was pregnant. And then came that discussion whether we would stay in California or go back to the Midwest. He had already passed the bar back home, and now I was pregnant, and we decided we didn't want to raise our child in the land of the fruits and the nuts, as California was called back then, and we decided to go home, where we believed there were more conservative family values and a safer place to raise children. And then 361 days after my first child, a daughter, the one who's being considered for future cosmic responsibilities, was born, my son came to our family as a mentor to my daughter and me. He was born on July 25th, which if you Google this, you'll find that July 25th does have a cosmic connection in ancient times. It was called the day out of time. It's just so perfect to me that he came to earth on that day. (laughs) So my next class in abandonment came when my husband was appointed judge of a small county in the Midwest. And because of our political activities, we were friends with the governor and other leaders of our state. My cousin was a lieutenant governor for eight years, and my aunt was county recorder of the the largest county in the state. I was a precinct committeeman in our ward in the capital city, and my neighbor was the treasurer of the state. 
So when a judge died in a small county outside of the large city where we lived, which was actually where my husband had been born and grew up, the governor asked my husband if he would like to be judged there. At that time, my husband was the sitting judge of the Workmen's Compensation Court for the state. We discussed it and decided we would do it. My husband would have to move there immediately to establish residency in order to be able to be on the uh, uh, on the voter list for the next general election because judges are elected in that state. So away he went to the small county <clears throat> while I stayed behind putting our house up for sale and allowing the children to finish that semester of school before summer vacation. And while he was in the small county, a little sweetie baby went after the judge and convinced him that she could love him more than we did. And long story short, I never moved to the small county. When my husband filed for divorce, I got the papers through the mail. It was a total surprise. The kids came home from school that day, and I told them that Daddy wouldn't be coming home anymore, and we weren't moving to this small county now either. And my oldest daughter went into a rage through a complete tantrum, yelling and screaming and stomping her feet. Mother, you mean to tell me I went to school this morning and everything was perfect, and now I come home and everything is destroyed? She was 13 years old. My son was 12. My son, as you now know, came to be her mentor, and he tried to comfort her, but she was beyond being comforted. And for days and weeks of that, after that, she just was completely out of control to the point where my husband and I decided she would have to go live with him. He had the father authority as well as the judge authority to take charge of her at that point. So we packed her things, and she went to live with the judge in the small county. And my son and I, along with my littlest daughter, who weaseled her way into our family at the last minute right before I went through the change of life, stayed behind, abandoned. My son knew that part of his duties were going to be this little sister, and he was there for her and me at this time. My oldest daughter blamed me for the breakup of our family. And she decided she didn't want me for her mother anymore. She abandoned me and took up with each one of the succession of sweetie babies that paraded through her dad's life the whole time he sat on the bench. When she was married, I did go to the wedding, but I went as a nobody sitting in the back wearing a hat with a veil. No one knew who I was. Well, I suppose everybody knew who I was. (laughs) But I managed to not engage anybody in conversation. Who knows what stories circulated throughout that small county regarding the judge's ex. I don't know, and I didn't want to know. The current sweetie baby was seated as mother of the bride. But let me tell you, this experience helped me tremendously in my wedding business because I ran into all kinds of family situations that required being handled very sensitively so as not to have a big kerfuffle at the wedding. I remember a bride whose father was the captain of a ship in the U.S. Navy. He and her mother were divorced, and her mother mother had a male partner in her life, but they were not married. 
but the father had remarried. So I was handling the rehearsal, and I had the best man take the captain's wife down the aisle and seat her on the first seat on the aisle in the second row. Well, she threw a fit, announcing to everybody at the rehearsal, as well as anybody within shouting distance, she screamed, I am the captain's wife. I always sit on the front row, first seat. Well, as gently as I could, I said to her, but today you are the bride's father's wife, and you sit on the second row, first seat. Oh, she just stomped out of the room. Well, after much discussion, we decided to seat everybody on the front row. The bride's mother's boyfriend graciously offered to sit at the very end of the row next to the captain's wife, who then sat next to the bride's father, who then sat next to the bride's mother, who would be seated on the first seat in the first row. (laughs) That did put the bride's father between the bride's mother and his wife, and I thought it worked out perfectly. I do not hold any anger now about my husband leaving me and the children. I know that my husband was swept away into an alternate world of power that he had had no preparation for. Unfortunately, it seemed that he never really ever found what he was looking for, and he died of alcoholism. You know, one day I went with of mine to see a psychic I knew where the psychic was and she didn't so I took her and I sat far away from them and waited for her well after the reading the psychic called out to me excuse me miss miss there's someone here who has something to tell you I was flabbergasted someone who wanted to tell me something I said well who is it and she said It's your children's father. Well, now I was speechless. My children's father? Well, I had to know. So I went and sat down in the chair. Now, a psychic, a real psychic, will always give you some piece of information that validates them. Something they tell you that there could be no other way for them to know. So he started out by saying, Your children's father died of alcoholism on a small island off the coast of Texas. And I shook my head yes. He says now that he's on the other side, he sees things so differently. He says he was always looking for, well, something. He wasn't sure. Like It just seemed like the grass was always greener. And now he realizes that he already had everything with you and the children. And he is so sorry that he left you. He is so sorry. Well, tears were streaming down my face now as I received this information. And I felt a big hard part of my heart begin to melt. And as the tears flowed, the hardness of my heart became soft and full of love again. Well, now, what does a person do? First of all, thinks her mother doesn't want her, 
is abandoned totally by her father, is told by her mother she has an evil thing in her that she got from her father, who then is abandoned by her children to raise two children on her own while her other child abandons her and disowns her as her mother. Well, the first thing you internalize is, what is wrong with me? (laughs) Why does everybody leave me? And the second thing is that there is no one you can really count on. The very ones who are supposed to be the ones who are responsible for you being here and who are the closest ones to you to love and to be loved by you can't be depended upon. You learn very early also that if anything is going to get done, you're going to have to do it for yourself. Well, as a young child, my mother remarried and had three more kids, and I was given the responsibility for those younger kids. So I had so little time to think about myself as a child, whatever whatever I needed or wanted. I was always, because I was too busy taking care of all the other kids. You know, in a way, this was a blessing, because I never had time to feel needy or as a victim. I just was too busy seeing that everybody else was taken care of. And also, the new stepfather was a blue-collar worker and didn't make a lot of money. And our mother told us that they would supply our basic needs, but if we wanted anything else, we'd have to go get a job and earn the money to buy it. So very early, I mean, at eight years old, I had started little businesses to make extra money, walking dogs, going to the grocery store for the neighbors. Eventually, I had a 100 customer paper routes that I had until I could get a work permit at 14 to work commercially. I believe these early businesses experiences helped me when I started my own wedding business. I already seemed just to know what to do. At 12 years old, I was babysitting I mean, even taking care of a whole family's children while a mom and dad went on a weekend holiday. They trusted me to do that because they knew my experience I had with my brothers and sisters. And with my special work permit then at 14, I worked at the corner drugstore. And at 16, I was helping out in a dental office uh, for a man who went to our church And at 17, I worked at a pediatrician's office. I actually was answering the phone, making appointments, taking money, and doing urinalysis and smearing blood on slides so the doctor could look at them with his microscope. I was also going to high school during this time, and I earned a scholarship to go to college. So I met my husband at college, and at the end of my first year, we were married. And I quit getting my education, (coughs) and I went to work uh, at the university so that he could finish his last two years of law school. Now, I don't recommend this, by the way. Ladies, get your education and then get married, because you will be better prepared if your husband runs off with a sweetie baby. Well, after graduation from law school and admission to the state bar, we went off to California to fulfill his two years of required military service. You know, life just seemed to happen to me in those days. Most of it was at the survival levels. I was so busy surviving, I didn't have time to feel sorry for myself. (laughs) 
And finally, my last class in abandonment, where I was the abandonee, not the abandoned. At 58 years old, I left the man who, after nine months, I found out actually was married. And once again, I felt like I was starting all over again. I moved to a small county. (laughs) This is so funny to me. I finally did it. (laughs) Where I didn't know a soul. (laughs) And I started my wedding business. Because since I was over 55 years old, I could only get a job as a domestic. So I did that while I uh, got my wedding business started. By this time, I had a mantra indelibly chiseled on my heart. I am a strong, independent, self-sufficient energy in a human form who does not need anything or anybody. And I fully entered my sovereignty. And now, 30 years later, I'm retired doing this radio show sharing with all of you, I hope, experiences that will help you to go through whatever it is you are going through and encourage you to take a bigger look at what's going on. Find out why you came to earth. See where you are in your progress. And remember, you can always adjust or renegotiate your contracts if you want to because remember, earth is a free will planet. You get to choose. I have a friend who's done a little self-analysis since his divorce. How could his wife leave him when he was such a great guy? But anyway, he told me that he discovered that this is a free will planet, so God must be a non-interfering God. And I said to him, wait a minute. Those two things don't necessarily go together. Yes, this is a free will planet. That means you get to choose. But once you choose, all the power of heaven and earth is at your disposal. Now, there are hundreds of paths to take to get to personal sovereignty. Some may take lifetimes. (laughs) But if you want a crash course into personal sovereignty in your human life, you can go the abandonment path and get it done in one lifetime. And once you feel the power of your sovereignty, I'm going to warn you, you will never be able to go back to your life of being used and abused, of codependency, victimhood or disability, food stamps, HUD housing. Never. You will never be able to go back. I will never forget that feeling when I walked into my own home that I had worked for, saving every penny of my earnings beyond my minimal needs. I have this feeling now every single day, and when I get inside my home, I exist in the sovereignty of my self-governing freedom. Nothing feels as good as the freedom of yourself to express who you really are and to do what you really want to do to contribute to a, in a positive way to life here on Earth. And also, you can look forward to your future cosmic responsibilities because really, 
And I tell you the truth, everybody is in training for their future life in eternity. What did you think? That you were going to go to heaven and just sit on a fluffy cloud and play a harp forever? I mean, how boring is that? There are places to go, things to do, new universes being created every day, new life to bring forth, new horizons and new experiences to have. You think there's a worker shortage here. We have a worker shortage in the universe, too. We need you. So remember, you create your life here, and once you choose, all the power in heaven and earth is available to help you. You're not alone. You are totally loved, completely and totally loved. You can go the trial and error route, or you can get on the God sled and breeze your way through on the fast track to heaven. And I'm here for you, too. Tune in every week for more stories and more ways that I have proved that I can say is true.